that you learned that you cannot hope to live a happy, fulfilling life if you don't experience your grief. Would you, would you say that was one of the toughest, hardest earned lessons that you gleaned from all of your loss? Yes, absolutely, Donna. I think that, um, and having now been trained to facilitate groups and help others, um, that's one of the areas that where I can, where people can get stuck. It's hard work. Welcome. I'm Dawn Mathis, and this is To Your Greatness. Every day, you give so much of yourself to those you love. Through this podcast, I'll guide you on a journey to reawaken the greatness that lies within you. In each episode, you'll hear incredible stories of transformation from me and my guests that will inspire you to design and manifest a life that is in harmony with your soul's purpose. You are meant to live the life you'd love. Let me show you how. Well, hello, everyone. This is Dawn Mathis. Welcome to To Your Greatness with Dawn Mathis. And we have a guest with us today. Her name is Terry Ward. And the title of today's podcast is Love, Loss, and Living Again. So, I just wanted to uh, give a little bit of history uh, about Terry, but first, Terry, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad you could join us. Thank you, Don. I feel honored to be here. Well, we're honored to have you. So, when Terry was just eight years old, her father committed suicide at home. The family then moved, and Terry became close to her uncle, and then just six months later, he passed away. And by the time Terry was 30 years old, she had lost all of her family except her sisters. After the recent death of her husband, Terry became a facilitator for grief groups with True Hospice and Community Care. She has begun speaking on the topic of how to turn loss into life lessons. Immediately after the recent Boulder mass shooting, Terry actually led a grief support group, several support groups through True Community Care for both the community members and for the grief volunteers from True. Terry has three daughters scattered around the world in London, Melbourne, Australia, and Portland, Oregon. Traveling to visit them is one of her true loves in life. And for fun, doesn't sound like fun to me, but anyway, Terry participates in triathlons and has done many sprint and Olympic races at ITU Worlds, as well as six half Ironmans and two full Ironmans. Wow. Lots going on in your life. Yes. So speak to us about... Boy, you, you've just had a lot, a lot of loss. And I was just wondering, how do you think this has affected you and your life path? Well, I would say that one of the things that's happened 
through these losses that I've built a real deep foundation of resilience. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's not a word that we used to use very often, um, but it's becoming uh, quite more common to talk mm-hmm. about the importance of resilience and our resilience. And I, I feel like I've had that most of my life, but, you know, I didn't know it. Um, and the, I, I think that when you're young, you don't realize that what these experiences are abnormal or different or, you know, they're, they're just, I know the first time I felt a difference from others was when um, I was in Girl Scouts and they had a father-daughter dinner dance and I didn't have a father to take me. And um, so that was a little bit like, oh, wow, all of the other girls in the troop all have a father, you know. So um, I think that was the first time I sensed kind of that that my experiences had been different. But it wasn't until Dawn, I was in my probably mid to late 20s that I, I started looking into healing from mm-hmm. all of this loss that had been in my life. Um, and that was even even prior to having lost my mom, which she passed. I had my first baby at 29. And then six months later, well, no, not quite, a little more than six months, my mom died. And um, so that was just uh, another major loss for me. Mm -hmm. And that's when I knew that, wow, you know, this, I need, I need to start understanding this and getting some help uh, for myself. And I did that through therapy, through uh, different groups that offer, uh, you know, grief support. And also um, because my mother had been, um, you know, alcoholic and had been on prescription drugs, I also went to a really good, uh, it's called Adult Children of Alcoholics. So it's it's run in a 12-step group fashion, and that one, that I found very helpful. One of, one of the things, Terry, that you had, you had said to me um, in our correspondence back and forth in preparation for today was that you learned that you cannot hope to live a happy, fulfilling life if you don't experience your grief. Would you, would you say that was one of the toughest, hardest earned lessons that you gleaned from all of your loss? Yes, absolutely, Donna. I think that, um, and having now been trained to facilitate groups and help others, um, that's one of the areas that where I can, where people can get stuck. It's hard work and people you know, we don't like hard work sometimes, especially when it's looking inward. And uh, absolutely, it's it takes time and it takes self-compassion. You really have to have a lot of compassion and love for yourself um, yeah. and, and hold yourself in loving kindness so that you can do the work that you need to do to get beyond um, just the initial stages of grief and really be able to, as uh, they say in the uh, dark night of the soul, you know, to get beyond and then to see the gift that might have been 
uh, provided in that processing and experience. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about the dark night of the soul because mm-hmm. you and I have had um, a lot of the same training. We're both life coaches, um, and that is one of the curricula that you and I both teach and coach into um, is um, the hero's journey, the dark night of the soul. What can you, about that dark night, what can you tell uh, the listeners who might be in the, just in the initial stages of having lost someone they love? What can you tell them to do with that dark night? Mm, You know, when you're in it, when you're in it, it's, um, uh, I mean, after Chuck, my husband passed, you know, when, when people would say, oh, you'll, you'll grow from this. I mean, my response, Don, was like, I would rather not. I would rather have kept my husband and have that relationship and not grown. Um, mm-hmm. But after, you know, he's been, he passed to a year and a half now. And um, I have, you know, I'm just so grateful for all that I did have. A lot of people, we didn't meet until we were 60. Now, a lot of people wouldn't think that that's an age, you know, to fall in love and have this wonderful romantic relationship. And yet we did. And um, we shared so many interests. And so, but it wasn't, I actually call that initial phase the day I joined the uh, zombie apocalypse because that's what it felt like to me, that I was just a zombie, that I had no, um, you know, I was just in a total brain fog. I had no awareness of what was really going on around me. Um, I remember at one grief group that I was participating in, I was talking about I'd become fearful of cooking on my gas stove because I kept leaving the gas on, especially if I had had the burner on low. So you don't really have the the visual awareness of the flame so much. And somebody shared with me, well, turn on the oven, you know, the light above the stove. Whenever you turn on the burner, turn on the, the light so that then if you forget, you'll see the light on, mm. you know. And it's that kind. I mean, you can really be in some, the dark night can be very dark and it can take a while. And every person is different. Every person experiences grief differently. And in fact, each type of grief is different. You know, each relationship you have and lose. And, uh, you know, and I, you can have grief even without the, the, the death of a loved one. It could be just, you know, a divorce or mm. You know, you can be experiencing grief through the loss of your job, or the, mm-hmm. you know, the loss of a sense of security in some way in your life. So grief can come on in a lot of different areas. Um, but I think that um, it takes time. And again, it takes doing your processing so that you can start to see what happened that that you can call good in it. What would you say as a person who has experienced so much grief and so much loss? um, I know for other people who are well-meaning, 
that they don't know what to say or do. So sometimes they don't say or do anything or say or do something that's very unskilled. What, what do you think, um, with your own experience and with your training now as a grief, um, coach, what do you, what, what can you tell those of us who are wanting to be supportive to someone who is grieving? What is, what are some of the strategies that we can use so that we don't feel so useless? Well, I, you know, before COVID, I would say hug, just hug, hug yeah. just hold people. Um, that is so important. Um, and I grew up in the South, so food, <laughs> take food. Um, and, it, and that, it's interesting because I always, as a child, I didn't understand that ritual. I, I mean, food would just appear out of nowhere and it'd be all over the dining room table. And sometimes it can be too much. And yeah. so um, I would say, you know, is there is there a meal that you don't have food for instead yeah. of just assuming? Um, but in, and, and it's really helpful. Uh, I found frozen or things that could easily be frozen to be mm. great because it could be weeks or months down the road when you really need that nourishment that you're not getting. Um, yeah. But uh, as, as far as saying things, it, you know, as I just said in, in the previous question, when, you know, people would say things to me, I'd go, you, you've got to be kidding. You can't be telling, saying that to me. But um, I, I appreciated that they were there. Um, and I could, I could always get past their unskillfulness just from being around. Walking with me, now it's because I am a person that likes to be outside and doing things. Walking was a big one when people would come and either walk with me here or take me somewhere beautiful for a walk. That's so helpful. And again, I love nature. So getting me out, even a drive that if that was pretty, um, was helpful. And, um, you know, just know that your caring comes through no matter how unskillfully you may express it. it um, the person I think would understand that um, it is hard. And just to say that, to say, I honestly don't know what to say. Just be honest. Yeah, just honestly say that because um, we aren't trained in it. And that's one of the reasons why yeah. I'm so interested in getting more people involved in grief work, um, sure. because we, we don't have the skills. We No one reads a book on grief until they need it. Yeah. Right? Well, it's not like a book on happiness. <laughs> right. So, so for those of the listeners who might be experienced the grief and the loss right now, right. what would you say to them when someone reaches out to them? What can I do to help you? What would you tell those people that are grieving? What would you tell them to how, how would you tell them to respond to that? Authentically, mm. you know, and one of the things I learned in my training is that uh, it, they actually called it the Rolodex 
um, that some people are going to be the people that you're going to go for a walk with. And some people are going to be the people that you're going to talk to. Mm -hmm. And some people are the people you're going to cry with. And Mm -hmm. not everybody has those skills, you know, all of those skills. So you, you will learn pretty early on in, in the process um, that not to expect everyone to be able to handle your tears. You know, if you're sobbing, some people just don't know how to react to that. And they might close up because of their lack of experience and their ability to have compassion for that in the moment based on their history. And so um, you, you, you'll learn who to, who to call on for each of the things um, and to be, but just to be really authentic uh, with people and say what you need. And, and, but, you know, there are times when you don't know what you need. You really don't. You don't even know. Um, and the friends that for me were so helpful um, would be the ones that would say, you may not need this right now, but I want you to know when you do need someone just to talk to, call me, you know, or if you, if you need a dinner, let me know. And a lot of um, people put together these support calendars. There are different apps and uh, you can write what you need down. You know, you can put it in the app. I, you know, Saturday night, I'm going to need a dinner or Sunday, I'm going to need a ride. So, and that's one thing people don't um, I, or didn't, in my case, think of. But mm-hmm. sometimes you need a ride somewhere because you're not you shouldn't be out there driving. You, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, and also um, when any of us, whether we're in grief or not, when you see someone breaking down in the grocery store, just crying, you know, just say something to them. Just, yeah. you know, I can see you're, you're having a hard time. Is there, would you like to talk or is there anything I can do? Yeah. Um, because I, that is the one situation where almost everyone I've talked to that's been in deep grief has experienced it. You know, especially if they're used to shopping for another person that has passed, yeah. right? Because then you it see kind of hits you. It yeah. does. You see their their brand of ketchup, and you just break down. You know, yeah. and um, so yeah, you don't now, see it coming. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, we just unfortunately had the tragic shooting in a grocery store here too. Yes. So, you know, right now. Especially if you're anywhere around uh, the the Boulder County area, mm-hmm. and if you have to shop in a King Supers, you know a lot of people might be perhaps not grieving, but in pain when they walk in, and you know there's a policeman out front, mm-hmm. you know, because I I don't know about um, where you live down in Denver, but here almost all the King Supers have a a local policeman out front right now. And, you know, again, it's, and we can't go over and hug each other because of COVID, you know, so yeah. just words, you know. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, would you, what would you say might be a myth about grief um, that you could clear up for us today? I'm sure there's a, a few out there. Yeah. Do you have a couple? Yeah. Would you like I to bust right now? Yeah, I didn't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I spoke to the, um, what not to say. One of, you know, one of the things people, because they have had some type of loss, they'll say, oh, I know what you're going through. No, you don't, because uh, we're all unique. We all experience yeah. all of our emotions, not just grief. Everything is coming from our experiences and who we are. And so you even if you have had the same loss of the same relationship, you know, try to avoid saying, I know, <laughs> I know what you're going through. The myth is that they're the all same. the same. Right. Yes. That yes. is yes. correct, Don. They're exactly. not all the same. They're all different. Mm-hmm. Everybody, um, my sister's husband passed away um, less than a year after my husband passed away. And I went and the entire experience was different. You know, how they ha- they had hospice, but it was different. It was different from the way we did the hospice and everything about what they chose to do was different. And that's fine. It, you know, um, no one way is right either. There is no one thing. Um, uh, One myth, um, you know, it might sound like good advice to say, don't make any major decisions in the first year, but there are some people that have to. You know, their financial situation may change to the extent that they have to move. That, you know, sure, they probably don't want to when they're in the first six or six months to a year or even perhaps before. But some people, it's not a choice. You know, so um, I think I think if you think something is a rule around uh, the end of life experience or, you know, how to behave after. Um, It's not. (laughs) And uh, there are no, like I I said earlier, there are no right and wrongs. Um, So if you like, it's a, it's a myth because it's, it's perhaps not experienced in the way that we expect it to be experienced. Right. Mm -hmm. If someone is laughing and having a good time, out, you know, out do, you know, don't, don't be surprised. They need that. You know, they, they need to know that they can go on and continue to live. Yeah. So, um, a couple more questions. I'll, I'll just ask them kind of, um, in tandem. Okay. Um, so obviously you've had some very transformative milestones recently, um, so what I want to know is, is, is did your milestones bring about this, this calling uh, for, for your work right now? And, and tell us about your, your new work. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it did. Um, it changed. It's still the same, you know, that I want to be of service to others in helping them live life fully. Um, but now I have, I think, I, I, there were a lot of transformations for me. I, I think I'm m- more compassionate, more caring, more patient, much more patient. Um, 
Don, you know, you know me. I come from a corporate background where, you know, type A, you know, let's get these chop, chop, let's get these things done, you know, let's move <laughs> forward with your goals and your vision. Um, and now I'm much more understanding and much more patient and caring and uh, less judgmental if it takes somebody a long time. Because I feel like it took me a long time to really get back into living my life again. You know, I I had self-judgment around, you know, I should be able to jump back into things more quickly, and I couldn't. Um, you were so kind and caring when we saw each other in January 2020 to, you know, be there for me and talk to me. and um, uh, But that experience, when we were in that training together, I had to leave. I took the, almost the whole Saturday off and went for a hike because just that, uh, you know. And that's what you needed. That's what I needed. And so, um, yeah. yes, it, it changed it. I'm also, you know this, but I'll, I'll tell your audience, um, I'm also doing mindfulness meditation teacher training with uh, Jack Hornfield and Tara Brock because one of the things that helped me so much was just to breathe and to learn to focus on the breath and being in the moment Absolutely. And, and having compassion for myself that, you know, if I wake up in the morning and the kitchen is a mess from the previous evening, cause I didn't do my dishes that, that, you know, the world's not going to, okay. it's okay. Right. Um, yeah. So a lot of um, my focus now and where I'm, headed as far as the training for the grief uh, group uh, support <clears throat> and uh, meditation are all coming from my the passing of my husband and then my brother-in-law and and also just this most recent loss in our community and seeing you know the people who do hospice care, are focused on allowing people to have uh, their choice in end of life and being compassionate and loving in that environment. And, and these 10 people did not get that. And, right. um, you know, and so that's taken away. Yeah. So that's why um, uh, True decided to facilitate. Uh, they had a lot of, um, of support available for their staff and volunteers. That's great. So, Terry, we will have for everyone in the show notes um, uh, your contact information. But what is the quickest way that someone that's listening right now can get a hold of you? Would that be on your website? Yeah. Yeah. My website is just www.dreamcompleter, all one word, D-R-E-A-M-C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E-R, dreamcompleter.com. And there's a contact me uh, space in, on, the, on the website there. That's wonderful. Boy, I wish we had, we, I wish we had two hours to talk about all this. This is such great in, information, great material. Thank you. Um, I'm sure you'll probably be hearing from some of our guests. And, and thank you for your work in the world. And uh, I can't wait to see you in person at a, at a training, hopefully soon. Um, or just dinner at my house. It's my turn. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's a date. It's a date, and we'll go for a walk, and we'll, we'll watch the sunset. 
Because I know you have that wonderful west-facing patio that we danced on one time. I remember that. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, everyone, Terry Ward. And uh, we will have ways to get in touch with her. And she told you her website, www.dreamcompleter.com. Sorry. Woo. (laughs) Check my work. All right. Well, thank you, Terry, for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. And to all of you listening, thank you so much for joining us today for Love, Loss, and Living Again. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me on To Your Greatness. If you're inspired by what you heard and are ready to take a deeper dive into your own life's purpose, I'd love to offer you a complimentary life reflection session. In this session, I'll help you get clearer about what's been holding you back and how you can rediscover the greatness that lies within you. If this is something you would love, I invite you to head to my website, toyourgreatness.net, where you can take the first step in this journey. Spots are limited, so claim yours today. You are so much more than what you do for others. I believe there is a dream inside you just waiting to be fulfilled. If you agree, I invite you to take that first step and visit www.toyourgreatness.net right now. I can't wait to meet with you. My name is Dawn Mathis, and this is To Your Greatness. Remember, your greatness lies within you. See you next time. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to subscribe and keep listening. Remember to like, share, and review this podcast to help other listeners like you find their way to this heart-centered community. Thank you so much.